Welcome to the National Community Church Podcast. We're thrilled to be able to share this weekend message with you from Pastor Joshua Simonette, our Kingstown campus pastor at NCC. If you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes or go to theaterchurch.com. Welcome to all seven of our campuses, including uh, those who are joining us online. We consider you guys our extended family, so thank you so much for tuning in. It's always an honor uh, every time I get the privilege to share. So excited to share with you this weekend as we continue uh, in our series, Get Wisdom. This is our second week, and we're zooming in on the book of Proverbs. Uh, we're, we're, we're introducing you to uh, what we call the, lit, the wisdom literature throughout scripture. Um, If you have a Bible, I would love for you to meet me in Proverbs chapter number three. Uh, We'll get there uh, in just a moment. Uh, But before we do, I kind of love bringing you guys into my world a little bit. And so when I was thinking about Proverbs or when I think about Proverbs, uh, it makes me think about hip hop music. Um, And uh, it it makes me think about hip hop music for a, a few Uh, different reasons. Uh, You know, in my imagination, I kind of uh, imagined King Solomon and King Lemuel and and the other contributors uh, kind of being like lyricists, laying down 16 bars, you know. Um, And, uh, you know, for one thing, uh, hip-hop is very poetic and and has a, a structure that is similar to uh, Proverbs, which Proverbs is, is, uh, is poetic as well. And, and um, there's a guy back in the day called DJ Cool uh, Herc, and he was the uh, one who kind of laid this foundation for uh, hip-hop. And, and he did that by the, the break in the music. He would extend the break so that the dancers could come and dance. And then he would speak these uh, rhythmic words uh, over uh, the break, and he would say, to the beat, y'all, to the beat, y'all, you know, different things like that. And so then that began this, this whole era of uh, what we call hip-hop music, and it opened the door for this, this very poetic and liberal, I'm sorry, um, uh, lyrical expression. And, uh, you know, if you would tune into my Spotify, you would see some hip-hop on there, and, and uh, maybe even guys like Common, you know, who was a little bit uh, maybe proverbial in his style, you know, he had a song called The Light. I never knew a love, 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 a love like this. Gotta be something for me to write this, queen. I ain't seen you in a minute. Wrote this letter, finally decided to send it. Signed, sealed, delivered for us to grow together. I'm gonna start right there. Um, I wasn't gonna do the whole verse, but, um, but, but you know, in, in that song, uh, a common is talking about love and, and the relationship with, with a woman and, and how he's going to be true to her and all those sorts of things. And, and there's, some, there's some wisdom in, in what he uh, is sharing. And now the Proverbs, they don't flow as smooth as, as common, per se. Um, I don't know how that was going uh, back in, uh, in, in ancient times, uh, but there is a, a flow to it. Um, but then secondly, you know, I, I thought about... Um, the, the, the Proverbs being like hip-hop, because I, I can imagine like the old sages on the block, you know, kind of gathered together and, and in a very communal kind of way, because the Proverbs uh, were very communal in nature in terms of how they were shared. And I, and I can see the old sages kind of getting together and, and reading and reciting and dropping knowledge uh, to one another about the mundanity and the messiness of life. Because that's also the other aspect of the Proverbs as well. It it was just the very simplicity of of life in terms of how we were to live. So historically, we have, uh, you know, given 
credit to much of the writing of Proverbs to, to Solomon, and, and I believe that that's accurate. And last week, uh, Pastor Mark mentioned some of the other writers, but there's a woman named Ellen Davis who talks about this communal aspect of the Proverbs, and, and here's what she says. She says, Proverbs may be ascribed to some historical figures. In a real sense, their author is the community as a whole. It is then the author of the community that speaks through them. And what Davis is saying here is it is the experiences of the people, their lessons and the mistakes and the wrestling and the wins in real life. Now, most scholars would have said that the ethereal period of, of the Proverbs in terms of when they were compiled would have been in the post-exilic uh, period, which would have been a time of exile for Israel, meaning they were not in their homeland and they were displaced. And so this would have been a very difficult time for them, a rough season for them. And so they would have been looking for ways to ground themselves in, in how they were to live and how they were to have stability uh, in their life. In the same way, I think uh, hip-hop is kind of similar. You know, I talked about DJ Cool Herc. Well, he opened the door for people like Grandmaster Flash and Run DMC and LL Cool J, MC Light and Wu-Tang Clan, Outkast The Roots, you know, you name all the people you want to, even all the way up to people like Biggie, Jay-Z, and even Wheezy. Some of y'all don't even know who Wheezy is. <laughs> now, you know, those names that I just mentioned uh, may be uh, attributed to being carriers of the hip-hop legacy, but their poetic utterances were really about a shared experience of a community, a shared experience about survival uh, and a search for what Dr. King would call somebodiness, this, this aspect of, of identity. Thirdly, the Proverbs remind me of, of hip-hop uh, because the lyrics were and still are for some, their way of getting wisdom. Now, this is where I want to park for this weekend um, because I think we all have our preferred ways of getting wisdom, uh, even if we would uh, classify it as getting wisdom. But it's, it's where we take our insight, our points of reference, and our response cues from. And it is reflective of Whatever our inputs, our ear gates and eye gates and our senses uh, are attuned to. Now, maybe for some of us, it's not hip hop. Um, it's not, you know, maybe anything musically related, but it's, it's research and books and documentaries and cultural philosophy or maybe even some other expressions of the arts. All those things have their place and they have value. And even when I think about hip-hop itself, I'm, I'm thinking about its complexity, the mixture of the creative and the therapeutic and the rawness, but also the embellishments and the incompleteness of it. And I will put that in the same category with the other things that we would maybe uh, take our, 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 our source of getting wisdom from, whether it be scientific research or podcasts or books or social media posts. They may be informative, maybe even temporarily soothe us, or maybe useful to help us at times. But upon further examination, when we really drill down on those things, 
um, they, they, they really are inadequate in terms of helping us navigate through the meaningness of life. And here's the thing. Most of our quest for getting wisdom is anything but. In reality, it's a never-ending uh, pursuit or process of hoarding information, seeking answers to our questions or agreement for our personal philosophies, quick resolution to the things that make us a little uneasy. Why? Because waiting and wrestling is not fun. Waiting and wrestling is is not our preferred method of growth. But here's the thing about the Proverbs that we need to understand. This wisdom literature is reflection-oriented. It's more about the interrogative. It's more about the questions that we are to ask when we find ourselves in certain situations and less about the answers per se. It's, it's much less uh, declarative as well. So my, my friends, I, I want to just tell you this weekend that wisdom is not the accumulation of information. That is, that is not what it is. You can't Google it. You can't get a degree in it. You can't get a subscription to it that will arrive in your mail every week. I wish it was that simple. Getting wisdom is a much, much slower process. Uh, my brother uh, Peter Hartwig, a theologian, uh, says that it is more like a crock pot which I tend to like. Um, I don't cook, so I I have used the crock pot several times. But it's a slow process. You put stuff in it, and several hours later, uh, it turns out some good stuff if you follow the recipe correctly. (laughs) But it's not one of those things that you throw in and you get out pretty quickly. You have to wait on it. And, And wisdom is the same thing. That's because the Proverbs were meant for probing and pondering one at a time which is counter to the pace of the world that we're in. And and so when we're attempting to get wisdom, uh, we're attempting to get it pretty quickly. And I'm not even sure that we're actually getting wisdom. It's probably more getting information. And so this this brings me to Proverbs 3, which is a a proverb that uh, my mother first taught me and and made me learn. Um, And so I've known this for a very long time from my youth. And then when I was in college, I I started to read it more and more and even memorize portions of it. And now as an adult, I'm constantly referring back to some of these phrases and some of these lines uh, in Proverbs 3. And so I just want to highlight a theme in there that is, that is echoed throughout Scripture, and, and, and just a couple of takeaways that I think will help us as we navigate through uh, this wisdom literature called Proverbs. Uh, so Proverbs 3, we'll start at verse 5. If you have a Bible, you can follow along. If not, I promise we won't leave you hanging. We'll have the words up. You can follow along with me. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away 
from evil. I don't really know what to title this message, and I was going back and forth about what I would title it, and so I really don't know what to title it. So I would just say, we think we know, but we really don't. How about that? We'll just, we just go with that one. Listen, there, there's no doubt that life is hard, and we have uh, difficult and complicated things that, that we're dealing with and, and, and complicated times that we're living in. So we're regularly in situations where we need help. And because we have uh, access to wealth, we have access to uh, other resources uh, and information at our fingertips, we basically walk around with computers in our pockets called cell phones. So we have this, this, this access to information pretty quickly. We also have this amazing capability um, called cognition, uh, which is how we think, the process uh, uh, within our brains. And, and because of all of these things, we feel most comfortable and most confident placing trust in ourselves most of the time. Thus making the very first word that we read from Proverbs 3, starting at verse 5, an immediate challenge for us, the word trust. Because there are some of us who would call ourselves Jesus followers. We would even say that he's Lord over our life. But then there are some of us who are maybe seeking, um, still trying to figure it out. And then maybe there are some who would just say, ah, no, that's not really who I am. It really doesn't matter because our humanness has a default setting within it. And our humanness is really pointed to self, and it is about self. And so at the end of the day, we are all about self. This is why in 2018, it says that the self-help industry was worth $10 billion. Even though now, I'm not going to hate on self-help because I read some self-help books and they got some great principles in it. And, you know, they're, they're, there's, some, there's some good stuff in it. But most of it is inconclusive and it's focused on productivity or performance. But here's the thing. The $10 billion metric tells us that we are consuming it at higher and higher rates. Why? Because we want to grow and we want to get Better And in some instances, we want to get wisdom. But we see the path to that through the lens of productivity and performance. And all we're really doing is leaning our ladder up against our own understanding. And if we look around, we can see that we have some serious challenges in our world as a result of that. And it's not because we lack edu education. It's not because we lack ideas. It's not because we lack ingenuity. It's because our approach to understanding is related to outperforming one another as opposed to sitting and being patient and listening to one another. You might be asking, well, what does this have to do with wisdom? You guys are really smart. I knew you would ask me that question. Um, so I prepared a response. And really just three words I want to just zoom in on from what we just read in Proverbs 3. I think three words that will make us a little less comfortable, a little more vulnerable, and demand a little bit more from us. 
Let's zoom in on these three action words of trust, seek, and fear. First, trust. It's a Hebrew word that comes from the root word that means to seek refuge, to flee for protection. Now, the connotation here is that we are seeking after God and pursuing him with all of our heart. And it is that pursuit that should provide us safety and security. Yet we are doing the opposite in our pursuits, and we're trying to make ourselves uh, safe and comfortable. And so we are, we're, we're pursuing other things that will give us information first, and we're not pursuing God first. And we're leaning to our own understanding, which indicates that we're putting trust in ourselves first. Now, anything that you lean on requires some element of trust. The chairs that you're sitting in and, and the cars that you get in and all the, that it requires some element of trust. But some of us have trust issues and understandably so. Someone hurt us, someone let us down, uh, someone disappointed us, took advantage of us. And, and some of us walk around uh, with, with the motto that Beyonce sang about in one of her songs when she says, it's just me, myself, and I. That's what I found out in the end. So I'm going to be my own best friend. And, and, that, and that's how we live our lives. But, but here's the problem with leaning on our own understanding or depending too much on that. It's very limited. And that's from a wisdom and from an information standpoint. It just is. And so what we have to do is recondition ourselves to seek the safety and security in God first before ourselves. And that is part of gaining wisdom. It's how we learn how to live dependent on God in a, very, in a world that, that, that promotes independence first and then everything else second. It's going against the grain of the mindset of independence on self. It's also very interesting uh, that in Proverbs 14, uh, 12 and in Proverbs 16, 25, and this is repeated almost verbatim, the exact same way, minus just one word. It says, there is a way that seems or appears to be right, but in the end leads to death. Now, maybe we have been in that situation where we have thought something was right and it didn't lead to death, but it was definitely wrong. <laughs> so we, we, we know what that is like. But if we're trusting in God and we're pursuing him first, we're less likely to find ourselves in those situations. Second, seek. Hebrew word, uh, yada. And it means to get to know by experience or to learn. And, and to get to know by experience, again, that is a slow process. That's not reading a pamphlet or, or, or reading a tweet or reading a quick post. or No, that, that's getting to know by experience. And in order to do that, Fully, we, we've got to submit ourselves to being taught. We've got to submit ourselves uh, to learn. And, and it's interesting because the NIV translates that. It says to, in all your ways, it says submit. And I know we don't like that word. We don't want to be submitted to anything and anybody but us because we want to call all the shots. So that's, that's very difficult for us. But the idea here is that we're actively learning and we're seeking God because he is the source of all wisdom. And this is not an informational type knowing. This is a relational type knowing. This is an ongoing knowing that produces, 
produces uh, depth in relationship, like my relationship with my wife. And, and every year we learn more and we grow more and we stretch more. There's an intimacy there because we are, we are, we are learning and committed to learning and seeking one another. And this is how we receive direction in our lives. In essence, this is what prayer does for us. This is, this is the, the, the primary aspect of seeking that we, we should be doing in our lives. And, and it's how we build our relationship with God. I mean, some of us are on like text message exchange type relationship with God. Like, like we don't have a, a, a real communication with him. We just kind of hit him up when we need something, you know. Like, like that's, not, that, that's not seeking after him. And that's also seeking his hand and not his heart. When we truly seek him, we, we get guidance, we get discernment, we get insight. The real challenge in all of this is that it says, in all of our ways, we should seek. Now, see, that's a little bit of a problem because, you know, we got some things we already know and we already kind of got in order. We ain't going to ask you about that because we know about that. We, you know, so, and we're afraid maybe that if we ask about those things that, that, you know, we might not get the clearance that we want, but we're already married to it in our minds, so it's a problem. I know y'all know what I'm talking about. Well, or, 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 or we, we, we have this, 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 this thing where we only, we're only seeking when it's something really big, you know, something that we really want to happen or something that's, that's, that we consider to be big. But in all actuality, it's the accumulation of the little decisions of the little things that turn into big things. And so if we're seeking in all, then we'll put, we'll, we'll, we're likely to put ourselves in a position that will be more fruitful than not. And here's the thing. God is also very concerned about the little things in our lives, the small decisions that we're making that we don't think is a big deal, but could eventually be a big deal. The last word is fear. Do not be wise in your own eyes. That's a phrase that's repeated again in Isaiah 5.21. Isaiah spins it a little bit rougher. He says, woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. That means you better watch out. But instead, we should fear the Lord and shun evil. The appropriate action here is not like being afraid or being scared. That, that's not the, the connotation here. The, the appropriate action here is about honor, reverence, and respect. That, that's what it means to fear. The, the relationship that I have with God, that there's, a, there's an honor, there's a respect, there's a reverence there. Again, which is difficult in uh, the culture that we're living because I don't think we live in a culture of honor, uh, respect, and reverence. I think the way that we talk to each other, the way that we're engaging with one another, the way we flip each other off and all of this crazy stuff, at, I mean, just so quickly, that's not respect, honor, and reverence. So, so we're not even conditioned to, to, to do that. But, but this is what this means. And it's important to note here because if we go back to the beginning of Proverbs, verse 7, 1, 7, it says, The fearing of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. So this honor, respect, and reverence is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. But if we're honest, 
often what's driving us is a different kind of fear. It's a fear of feeling like we have to be right. Feeling like, like we have to be seen as adequate. We have to be seen as uh, competent. And we, we can't be seen as inadequate or incompetent or, or that we don't know. And so then those things cause us to pursue uh, maybe things that we shouldn't pursue. And we're trying to keep that fear at bay. And so it maybe causes us to cross the line at times. And maybe we would do something that would be socially acceptable, but it's really unethical and wrong. But honor, reverence, and respect for God is like a tether. It, it helps us navigate anything in our path. I remember my mother, she used to get on my nerves with this. You know, like I would, I would, there would be something that I would want to do, or maybe it's a song I would listen to, and she would say, is that honorable? Is that respectful toward the Lord? I'm like, damn, I'm like, you always got to mess it up. But, but, I, but her instilling that in me, it, it just, it, be, it became a tether. It became a compass for me. And it helped me to navigate certain things that, you know, maybe I was considering doing. I had to think like, okay, is this, is this reverencing, is this honoring to God? Verse 8, which is the verse uh, after, uh, uh, well, obviously it's after verse 7. But <laughs> we're, we, didn't, we didn't read verse, verse 8. Um, we, we read through 7. Uh, this is what it says, as a result of doing these things, it says, and it will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. You know why? Because you're not killing yourself, accumulating things that don't matter. Accumulating stuff that is really not going to benefit you that much. Maybe it makes you feel good and look good, but it really ain't worth much beyond that. Let me, let me just see if I can conclude this for us. In, in many sports, and I have a sports background, um, in many sports where there's, there's a passing or receiving of the ball, so that would be like football, basketball, baseball, tennis, uh, even um, like the goalie in, in soccer, that specific position. There, there's a universal readiness posture that is taught. And, and, it, and it's, really, it's really like this, you know, it's just this, this, this readiness posture that, that you're taught. It's just a slight knee bend. It's a slight, you know, head over your shoulders a little bit. And, it, and it's, it's, it's to get you in a proper position to react to whatever is coming your way. And it's, it's to get, help get your, your quick twitch muscles in place so that you can, you can do whatever movement you need to uh, when the time is right. Here's the thing about wisdom. It's actually the same thing. It's about posture positioning. That, that's what it's about. It's not about good performance. It's about getting yourself in the right posture, in the right position to receive what God has for you. It's also about humility and having a learning mindset and a kind of mindset that helps you understand that you never arrive. In sports, there's habits and conditioning that are the two things that affect the readiness posture the most. So cultivating habits of trusting and seeking and fearing God help us get wisdom. And then if we're monitoring our conditioning, knowing when we're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, they, they call that that, that uh, halt, 
It will help us not be susceptible to be out of position. That is a self-awareness that we actually need the Holy Spirit to help us become more aware. It's not about productivity or performance or the accumulation of knowledge. And it's so interesting. We're, we're talking about the wisdom uh, literature and scripture. And after Proverbs, right at the beginning of Ecclesiastes, uh, which is another part of, of the, the wisdom writings, uh, Solomon opens up and says, it's all meaningless. <laughs> Everything. Like, I don't know, like, why are we, like, toiling and doing all this stuff? It's all meaningless, you know? And it's like he realized, like, oh, you, you know what? We're putting so much effort into stuff, and, and it's, it's actually kind of pointless, Last thing I'll say is I, I can't talk about a, a message related to wisdom without talking about Jesus. You know, Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, this is what he says to them in the second chapter, verse 2 and 3. He says, I want you to be encouraged and knit together by, by strong ties of love. I want you to have complete confidence that you understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. And get this, in him lies hidden, I mean, in him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In him. So a relationship with him is paramount for us because in him all wisdom and knowledge Lies. So that means a posture of trust and seeking and fear of him helps us not only just gain wisdom, but it helps us live the life that he intends for us to live and that he's called us to live. May I ask our worship team to come and I want to just do something uh, a little different. I want everyone to close their eyes and I want you to just take a couple of deep breaths. And I want you to just think about where in your life or or in what ways or what area are you leaning to your own understanding? Are you trying to be wise in your own eyes? Where is that area? What are you toiling about? What are you putting so much work and effort into trying to to figure out what to do and how to do? And you haven't released it to God yet. Whatever that thing is this weekend, I want you to release that thing. And I want you to begin to figure out how you can walk out a path of trusting and seeking, and fearing. So God, we come before you this weekend. We thank you for how you have spoken to us. God, help us to be mindful of how we're actually trying to get information, and we're not actually getting wisdom. And help us to have the right posture so that we can be ready to react and to receive what you have for us and to navigate whatever comes in our path because you have equipped us to do so. We just need to seek you on how we need to do it. All these things we ask in your son Jesus' name. Amen.